Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at Coastline Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Yeah, family vibes. Good to see the family back. Give yourselves a hand. You look marvelous today. Welcome back. Welcome home. Such a cool season, such a really, really fun season. I, I was thinking if I had a welcome home sign, you know how they hold them up at the airport. If I had one, I would have held one up out in the front that says, welcome home, sorry about our mess. Did anybody see the construction outside? Yeah, but you know what? We're in the middle of some good things, some exciting things, and uh, our preschool, uh, our, our daycare is being renovated, and that's all going to be opening up, uh, hopefully the Lord willing, at the beginning of the year. Um, and uh, many other things happening here. It's a great home, and you're a part of it. Welcome here. Glad you're here. Uh, and today, you know, you've come through the front door, and you're coming into the living room. You can see that here. Um, we'll get to that in just a minute. And some of you might be thinking, well, this must be the living room. Look at this. This must be the living room. This isn't the living room. I'm going to talk to you today about what the living room is, but we're going to talk in this series all about family, all about being a part of the family of God. It's called Family Vibes, and we're going to be using the book of Colossians as a guide. So I'm going to get into the first few verses only uh, this week, and then, of course, through subsequent weeks, we're going to go through this book. We're rooted in the scripture. We're making relevant connection, and I just wanted to say just a little bit about the book. I'll say more in the weeks to come, but the book of Colossians is a wonderful little book. It's an easy read. It's a short read. So if you want to add that to your devotions, you certainly could. Um, and uh, basically, it was written by the Apostle Paul in about AD 60. It was written to the church in Colossae. And Colossae is in western Turkey and in sort of this very fertile valley. A couple of other um, cities that are in that area are Herapolis, which is mentioned at the end of the book, and Laodicea. Laodicea is mentioned here, but also in Revelation. It's the one where Jesus says it was the lukewarm church. And I think just to kind of get you into the idea and the landscape of that area, um, in this valley where these three cities are, there is a great river that used to flow through this valley. And that great river uh, was bringing cold water from mountains. But also, these three cities were known to be on hot springs. And so hot springs water would pour out of these sort of city areas and down into that valley, mixing with the cold water, making the water lukewarm. And so obviously that would be pleasant for uh, in some cases, but Jesus uses that analogy to kind of connect to the land, but also bring about a point of how it was really important for them to stay hot, like the springs in their city, not diluted into that, that, that uh, lukewarm water. So that's some context for you. Um, we'll talk more about the land and the place as we go through. I might even show you a few pictures. I was in the region uh, recently, but I will let you know that Colossae, which is a really interesting and important city in the scripture, is not excavated. It's in Turkey. It's under rubble. It's behind a mountain. But I'm hopeful someday somebody will go and open that up and we'll learn all the treasures that are there for us in Colossae. So I'm going to start reading in verse 1. I'm going to get through about verse 5, maybe 6, uh, depending on how the, the message takes form today. But let's start with verse 1. It says, Paul 
an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. We get into family vibes right away. We're talking siblings here. Timothy's our brother. But it's really important that you see how Paul introduces himself to the Colossians. The reason why this is important is because he had never visited there. I think we have a reference point that says all the churches that he wrote to, he actually visited. Actually, the only church in all of Asia Minor that he visited was Ephesus. So he has never been here. So he's commending himself to them, and he's saying, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ, and this is by the will of God. In other words, here's my credentials. This is why I have the right to write you a letter because of who I am and who I, um, who I am in the will of God for you. And so I'm an apostle. Verse two, he's writing to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. Faithful brothers and sisters, that's what I want to pull out of this verse we're deep already. Verse 2, we're into family vibes. Church is a family. And, and I love that Paul hasn't met these folks, and yet he calls them family. Because that's a reality for us. Did you know this is a big church? It's a big church, and this is the third of five services today. So we're not going to know each other, but we're still family, Right? We may not know each other personally. Uh, we may pass in the hall, and I, I love to meet you and love to hear your story and love to say hi, but the reality of this many people knowing each other intimately isn't a reality, but because of Jesus, we who are many form one body. We're family. We're family. Come on, tell your neighbor, guess what? We're family. That might feel a little awkward, but do it anyway. We're family. All the introverts say, don't talk to me. I didn't come here to talk. I came here to listen, right? We're family. That's the way this is. This is family vibes. And we're a family. And I love that. I love that. And now we're going to kind of get into the meat. The meat as Paul kind of brings his first point in the book of Colossians to us. And this is where we're going to sit today, okay? So we're going to read now verse 3 and 4. Verses 3 and 4. It says, we also thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. So hey, you know what? You're God's holy people. We thank God for you. Now verse four, because, the reason why we thank God for you, because we have heard, we haven't seen it because we've never been there, but we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. Faith, love. Come on, say it with me. Faith, love. One more time. Faith, love. This is the essence of the Christian life. Faith in Christ and love for God's people. That is the essence of the Christian life. And we need both. We need both. Let's think about it for just a minute. We need both. Why? Because loveless faith is dead. It's absolutely dead. Loveless faith is dead. In fact, love is an action, right? It's an action word. It's a verb. It, it has movement. Love shows up, and it shows up in what we do. It shows up in our deeds. And so think about that word, deeds, as I read this verse to you, James 2, 26. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is what? Dead. It's dead. It's dead. And so you cannot have a loveless faith. It is dead. And on the flip side as well, faithless love is impossible. 
Faithless love is impossible. Now, some of you say, hold on. I know people who aren't people of faith and they love. And I would say on a human level, that is true. But the kind of love that Paul is commending the Colossians for is not possible without the Spirit of God being involved. It's simply not possible. It's impossible. And here's how Hebrews uh, speaks about it in Hebrews 11.6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's not possible without faith. You got to understand this. God is the object of our faith and he is the source of our love. Can I get an amen for that? I'm going to say it again because you said amen, but you may have not quite caught it. So let's try it again. God is the object of our faith. Our faith is in him. And he is the source of our love. Why? Because God is love. God is love. God is love. That's what 1 John chapter 1 teaches us. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. We know it and we rely on it. That's faith. That's faith, is it not? It's faith in God's love for us. Let's read on in that same verse. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. There's a whole lot of ins and outs in here, but the point is really uh, very simple. Is that, listen, you can't love right without God. Without understanding who you are as a child of God, love is certainly limited. Love is limited. In fact, faithless, faithless love is impossible. That's what we're talking about here because faith creates access to the love of God. We receive his love by faith, right? That's how it works. That's how it enters us. And so we have to understand God is love. That may be what you came to church for today to just reflect on the fact that God loves you. God loves you. And, and, and why do we make a big deal about that? Because sometimes we're hard to love. And sometimes the people that we wish loved us don't. And sometimes we understand love as being limited to a human emotion. And sometimes we lower it down to making it a human emotion. If we move God out of it, all we're left with is a human emotion. But that's not the kind of love that God expresses to us. God is love means that God is unconditionally loving you. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you failed to do. God's love is not based on your effort. It's based on you being his. That's it. He's the creator. He loves what he has created. Now you can resist that love for sure, but that doesn't mean he doesn't love you. You can ignore that love and you can be ignorant of that love, but that doesn't mean it does not exist. He's gonna love you even if you don't want him to. Because that's his nature. It's actually his nature to love. He simply is love. And so God's love is amazing. And that's why Paul wrote these words to the Colossians and why these words are so profound. Because he's really telling them this, your faith in Christ fuels your love for people. Because when you understand God, you understand love, and then you can love well. Here's the question. Is this true of you? Is your faith in Christ fueling your love for people? 
I, I think there's time only for introspection here. Are you lacking signs of love? You know? Or do you find yourself irritable, stingy, cynical, judgmental, and rude toward other people? Do you find yourself in this place that it's very possible that something's wrong with your faith that produces love? Because love is not flowing out as it should. So not only is faith in Christ and love for God's people the essence of my Christian life, it's also key building block, key raw material for the building of God's church. Faith in Christ and love for people. Our faith in Christ are like building blocks, man. That's what this whole thing is built on faith in Christ. But love is like the mortar, holding things together. It's beautiful. And at Coastline Church, we're doing everything we can to try to find avenues to express the scriptural truth in our practice. And so that's why we have a Sunday the way we do, because when you come and you worship with us, man, you're expressing your faith. You're celebrating your faith. Hands raised, voices lifted. I believe, and I get to declare that today with all of these wonderful people because this is my moment. This is my Sunday moment. It's designed around expressing our faith. But that's not all we're gonna talk about today. We're not just gonna talk about coming to church. I wanna talk also about small groups because small groups are actually designed around loving people well because we're called to have a faith in Christ and a love for people. So I want to talk about Sundays. I want to talk about small groups for just a minute. And I want you to just hear me here. It's important for you to know the difference because many people come to Sunday service, listen, come to Sunday looking for what a small group provi provides. And some people go to their small group and try to turn it into a mini Sunday service. But that's not the point. The point is here we express our faith, here we worship, here we declare, here we hear the word. And then in our small group, we learn to love each other well. We support each other. We stand by each other. And then our Sunday experience, I mean, there's some really great things happening. Really. We're all seated in rows together. We're all facing the same direction. That's why I sit down with you. Why? Because we're declaring truth together. We're, we're singing. We're literally singing off the same song sheet. It's on there. It's right there, right? We're saying the same words. We're declaring the same truth. We're in unity. We're the body. We're expressing our faith, worshiping, hearing the word, being inspired. And really, what you need to understand is Sunday is not the living room. I wish I had a set here. Sunday is the dining room. You know that room where you set the table? And you invite the family and you invite the guests and you, you, you really work hard at it. You set it all up the way it is and, and you, you get the meal prepared and that prepared meal is delivered and people smell it and eat it. And it's, that's what's happening on Sunday. And a, a dining room is great. But how many of you know, when you walk through the front door of someone's house, when they invite you over, often you walk past the dining room, past the kitchen and right into the living room. Right? And so we're going to talk about the difference between the Sunday and the small group, okay? But in our Sunday, it's a great experience. We gather together. It's a large event. In other words, the more the merrier. You're all welcome and you're, you know, bring your friends and we'll make room and we'll start another service. I'm not sure how, but God will help us. Right? Why? Because we want to make room. It's a large event and the more the merrier. It's also a powerful moment. It's a powerful moment where truth is declared. 
where your faith can be elevated, where the Holy Spirit can speak to you, and you can leave here changed because of the work of the Spirit touching you. We also hope that it's authentic, you know? It's a live event. It's not pre-recorded. It's not pre-planned. You know, and sometimes we burn the mashed potatoes, right? It's okay. It's real. But we're going to sit and we're going to have the meal together. We're going to enjoy each other. It's authentic. It's truthful. It's not a produced album. It's not a, a, a manufactured movie moment. It is authentic. And we hope that's what you're experiencing today. This is real, friends. It's also celebration. It's, man, our priority is on joy. And our priority is on the goodness of God. Regardless of what's going on in my life, God is still good. And sometimes I need somebody else to remind me of that. I need to borrow their faith. I need to borrow their enthusiasm. I need to be inspired by their worship. That's a beauty that happens in celebration together. And always, every week, our heart is that what we share with you is relevant. It's not just a Sunday moment. It's, it helps you with, with your life Monday to Saturday as well. And so Sundays, listen, this is a, a good way to look at it. Sunday is based on community. We're one large gathering of people. In other words, the more the merrier and we celebrate whoever's here. Welcome home. We're glad you're here. But in a small group, there's a different feel and texture, right? In a small group, Small groups are based on intimacy. They're based on deeper connection. They're, de they're based on belonging. And that happens really beautifully in a living room setting. But as I, as I mentioned before, sometimes what happens is people come to Sunday and they say things like, people didn't talk to me, I didn't meet anybody new, um, uh, no one asked me about my story. And we work hard for that to not happen. But in a group this size, it's very possible you can come to church and you can leave without talking to anybody if you don't want to. But in a small group, that's not the case. A small group is such a lovely place because in a small, I gotta move this, excuse me. I, I, wanna, I, don't, I wanna talk to those guys over there. In a small group, the thing that is so wonderful is that you're needed and you're known you have something to offer, and people recognize when you're there and when you're not, and the seat is empty. They miss you. Where's so-and-so? We better check in on them because they're not here. And that's the beauty of a small group. I mean, you know, it's funny because, you know, kind of classic church scenario. You come into a church, you probably sit in the same seat every time, right? That's what you do. You're, you're creatures of habit. I do too. I sit right down here. That's where I always sit. And you might sit where you, where you are, but can I tell you, if you don't come, somebody else will sit in your seat. But in a small group, your seat's empty. And you're missed. And they're praying for you. And they're wondering how you're doing. You belong. You're needed. You're known. And that's the difference. Because, you know, the living room um, is a, a different than the big room. And that's, you need both. That's the point. You need both. A small group is where we move from rows into circles and we see each other's face and we talk about life and we interact together. It's a great place to experience love and support. Man, when you're going through a crisis, a small group, your small group are the ones that are going to be there when you get that cancer diagnosis. And here's the best one. When you have to move. <laughs> when you have to move, you need a small group, man. Right? 
I mean, there are times where you just realize I need love and I need support in a way. And I can't look at the church and say, why isn't the church doing that for me? Because I'm telling you, we are. We're doing it for you by offering you a life-giving small group, a relationship with people. You just have to choose that. And listen, I just want to encourage you that you can grow in your faith more in a small group even than you can on a Sunday experience. We want to help you grow. And so that's why we encourage you in this direction. That's why we push you this way. And also, for some of you, can I just say, we need more small group leaders. And I want you to know that small groups are a great place to minister to people. And why do I share this with you? I mean, this is something that's sort of like, Andy, you're kind of pulling back the, the curtain on the, the systems and, instead of just the, you know, the, the front, front of house stage kind of thing. Because I want you to know that we're thinking about you. And we want to pastor you well. We want to help you, each one of you. And so the challenge remains. You need this. You need both of these things. But you don't just have to take my word for it. I want to introduce you to Aaron and Avalon. And we're going to watch a short video about their story and about how small group and church, Sunday and small group, connected together for them to really make a difference. Take a look at this. Hi, my name is Avalon. This is Aaron, And this is Eliana. I started going to Coastline in 2016. It felt like home from the beginning for me. I think it was on like the third date she invited me to a first Wednesday and that was amazing. It was like exactly what I didn't realize I was missing for so long. I think when I when I first started coming back to church uh, I forgot what it was like to have a faith. I guess it would have been 12 years or something, 10 years. And you, you, like the faith was just so real. The, the, the praying was just so real. Like everything about it was real. Like you could feel the Holy Spirit moving and I just knew that this was the church that I had to keep coming back to. We were in small group. We were doing this series by Francis Chan, I think it was, or something, and mm -hmm. he just convicted us so strongly to like open our house to people and to kind of like surrender your life. And I think it was around that time where I definitely started questioning what my next step would be in the church. And kind of we talked a lot and talked a lot and talked a lot. and. It was kind of funny because it was around the time where, like, we loved the small group we were in, but it was around the time, that time, where I kind of started talking to Avalon about maybe we should lead our own small group. And the craziest thing about it was I was just about to text Lucas, like, that day or the next day to kind of talk to him about not that we wanted to ditch him and start our own small group, but that maybe it's time for us to branch out and kind of do our own thing. And then I got a text from him asking me to meet him for lunch the next day or as like as soon as possible. And he asked me if I'd be willing, if Avalon and I would be willing to take over that small group. So it was scary. We didn't know what we were doing. I don't even feel like I know how to pray like in public or like in general, but we just kind of thought, well, this is our surrender moment. I guess we're just gonna do it and mm -hmm. let God do the work and we're just gonna be the instruments kind of thing. Right after we got married, we decided we wanted to try to have a baby. We ended up having some difficulty. It took about a year until I kind of thought maybe I should go to the doctor just to see, make sure everything was okay, that we could have kids and everything looked fine. There was no reason that we couldn't or shouldn't be able to have a baby. Eventually we saw a fertility specialist and she basically said since it had taken as long as it had at that point, I think it was like a year and a half, almost two years, mm -hmm. 
she was like, there's less than a 5% chance that you'll ever have a baby. So um, that was hard. It was an emotional thing to kind of hear that it's probably not going to happen and there's no good reason why other mm -hmm. than they don't know. We spent a lot of time worrying. We spent a lot of time crying. We spent a lot of time praying with our small group. All we could do was pray. All we could do was yeah. trust God and trust his timing. We definitely took advantage of our small group at the time to, to get vulnerable um, yes. and to trust in the power of prayer or small group. I'd say probably once a month, someone was kind of sharing with the group that a prayer had been answered in some way or another. And mm -hmm. in a sense, that almost made it harder for us because our prayer wasn't being answered and wasn't being answered for so long. It was kind of funny. The day I quit my job, that was a very stable job, very much took <laughs> care of our family. The day I started my new job with complete unknown, I got home and she was pregnant. With our small group, it just so happened that when we found out we were pregnant, there were also five other girls that were also pregnant. And so now, like, I get to have that community of moms, and she gets to have that community of little friends. So God, God knew that she needed that, that I needed that. And now what's so cool is, is there's five moms all on maternity leave together. She's got people um, that are going through the same thing, you know, trying to raise a baby and all the struggles that come with that. And, and so she's got good community to share that with at the same time. For me, for anybody else that's going through challenges, having that community, having people to talk vulnerably with, like people that you're comfortable with, people that know you, know your life, know your family. I think that kind of is huge to help get you through when things do get hard. And then also to celebrate when things get better or when prayers are answered. She was the answer to her prayer. So of course, like, this gets to be her home too. That's pretty sweet, hey? I, I think we need to see it again because you didn't hear much of what they said because you were staring at the baby. <laughs> That's pretty precious. I, I, the point that we're trying to make is very clear. I mean, faith, you know, is expressed so beautifully when the body, when the body is gathered and, and love is expressed so beautifully when we gather together in smaller groups. And so the challenge remains. The challenge is there for you. Consider a small group. Consider opening your home. If you, you know, if you don't find, like we have, literally we have more than 100 small groups in our church because we want to be a church not with small groups but of small groups, that it's actually part of the fabric of who we are. Look for that community. Maybe you need to create that for others. Maybe you can take a courageous step in doing that. For some of you, you've struggled with this and part of it is because maybe you've been hurt Maybe you feel fearful. Maybe you have some sort of personal challenge in your life uh, that may feel like a limitation. And, and, and again, we understand that. And so that's why the church is here. But I want you to know, for some of you, it's just about being willing to risk. Being willing to risk, to step into the benefit. I want you to know that we have loved our adventures in small groups. 
we have met tremendous friends. There's, I've been able to be the most honest, the most transparent, receive prayer the most in the context of my small group. You need both. You need both. I'm glad you're here, but you need both. And you know, we've talked about faith as the bricks, love as the mortar. That's kind of those two things. But really, when it comes to the foundation of this whole house that God is building, the family of God, the foundation is hope. And we live in a world that's really, really searching for hope, really struggling to find hope. And the message of the gospel is a message of hope. And so Paul says this next. He's talking about the faith and the love that you have. He says, the faith and love that spring from the hope that's stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. So he's saying it's not just any hope. It's not just your everyday kind of hope. It's the kind of hope that's stored up for you in heaven. And it's the kind of hope that is connected to the true message of the gospel. Friends, part of the reason why we do Sunday and small group is so that hope can be communicated to people because they need hope. Yes, faith and love is the essence of our life together as a family, but hope is what our world needs. The gospel should be a gospel of hope. Amen? And, and, and in the midst of that, the gospel brings such hope to people because, you know, it can bring peace and it can bring purpose to lives. And what a blessing that will be. Paul finishes today's passage by saying this in verse 6. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. When you truly understand God's grace, it's not hard to be in relationship with others who truly understand God's grace. It's not hard to fellowship. It's not hard to find faith. And it's not hard to express love in that context. And so I want to encourage you. The Bible says that you're called according to the purpose of God. You're called for more. You're called for greater. You're called to move ahead. You're called to bear fruit. You're called to love. You're called to faith. You're called to bring the hope of the gospel to so many. And the Lord wants to help you do that. I want to pray with you. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? And as we prepare for prayer, let me just say, I want to lead you in a practical response and an eternal response. You know, this, this verse that what we just read, this final verse says that, said that they truly understood God's grace. And so I say right now in this moment, there may be people here that need to answer this question. Have you truly understood God's grace for yourself? Have you allowed Jesus to transform your life? Listen, all that we're talking about, all that this community has to offer, all that the intimacy of small group has to offer is based on the hope of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you in this day, in this moment, give your life to Christ. Give your life to Jesus. He is a wonderful Savior. He's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And because of what he can do and has done for you, your joyful response is to give him your life. You see, Jesus paid an ultimate price. He gave his life on the cross. This is part of the good news that Jesus has rescued us through his death and resurrection. And you too, by faith in him, can receive eternal life. Are you here today and you don't have a living relationship with Jesus? Give your life to Christ.
It's so simple because Christ did all the work. Receive him by faith in Jesus' name. And so there's, that's an eternal response, but there's a practical response. For some of us, we've said, you know what? I don't have time for a small group. I've been hurt in relationship before, and I'm not sure I want to do that. I'm just getting through this Sunday and back onto a very busy life. Can I just encourage you? You can't afford to go through life without real friends. You need people to do life with. Take this as a warning. Before the crisis comes, build friendships. Build relationships. Find a place to belong so that you have brothers and sisters to stand with you. We are a family. And so, Lord in heaven, I thank you for receiving our prayer of faith. You receive us. You forgive us. You cleanse us. You heal us. And you invite us into eternity when we confess our faith in you. And Lord, for those of us who are stepping now with boldness, with courage, with confidence, saying, no more excuses, Lord. I'm going to step into relationship. I'm going to take my faith in Christ and connect it with my love for people so that I might be an agent of hope, receiving and giving in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen.